people that I knew and cared about were being directly affected. You know, their businesses, they were going under, they weren't, they were all sent home with no paychecks. Even still underneath those stories was the resilience of Canadians and how strong they are and how they came together. And that was what made this so beautiful. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have a very special guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is one of my heroes. She is one of the few, the brave, the proud, who I believe had more to do with breaking the back of government tyranny and taking our freedoms away during the era of lockdowns than any others. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Tamara Lich. Welcome to the show, Tamara. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it's an honor to have you here. So your name is one that's known all across the globe because of what you and the truckers did to stand up for freedom. But let me tell you about our audience and let me tell you why they listen to the show. And then let's dive into this. Our audience tend to be freedom lovers like me and like you. They tend to be entrepreneurs who have a vision and are going after their vision. And one of the things that motivates them to listen to this show is because they want to learn from the people that come on this show on how they can authentically create a powerful personal brand for themselves and use that powerful personal brand to help them drive success in their business. Now, I know that this probably wasn't your intention, but you have created a very powerful personal brand for yourself. And you have done an amazing job of using that brand to drive the mission of freedom forward. So they're going to be excited to hear from you. But before they can really hear from you, they got to get to really know you. So tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be the great Tamara Lich? <laughs> it's still very surreal for me, but thank you for your very kind words. Um, well, I was born and raised in Saskatchewan, and I've spent uh, my life living across the prairies, uh, and I absolutely love it out here. And um, my background is predominantly in the energy sector here in Alberta. And so also my former husband was a uh, worked in the oil patch also. So I got very familiar with the industry um, via his employment, working on drilling rigs. And so after Trudeau was elected and started basically targeting our industry out here, which as I'm sure you well know, that's the biggest industry that we have in Alberta. Um, I, I became a bit of an activist and started speaking out locally about the Bill C-69 and Bill C-48 and some of the legislation that was coming down from the federal level and really having an impact on my province and the people in it who aren't just numbers. These are, you know, mothers and fathers and, and they have families to feed. And my perspective anyways was was that 
Alberta has one of the most environmentally friendly and energy efficient oil and gas industries in the entire world. We should be screaming this from the rooftops. And instead, we have a government that keeps trying to shut us down. So, yeah, basically, that was how I got involved, uh, I guess, more politically. Um, I became active also. I helped my local MLA in the 2019 um, provincial election. And then I sat on the board of directors for a federal Western Independence Party called the Maverick Party for a couple of years, uh, right up until the convoy, actually. I resigned my position shortly after we arrived. And that was, again, I guess, going along with what my concerns in the oil patch. You know, we were seeking greater autonomy for the West and having more of a say in the outcome of our elections. You know, the, 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 the elections are decided before our polls even close here. So we were working for, you know, for some more autonomy for, for Western Canada. And um, yeah, it just, you know, all the experience that I've had working in the oil patch under strict deadlines and organizing logistics, that type of thing, and the administrative work with forming the Maverick Party, which was a feed in and of itself, creating a federal, you know, political party from nothing. And basically then COVID hit and it was a really dark and depressing time here in Canada. And I was watching what was happening with great alarm. Uh, I mean, the fear mongering that came out at the beginning, uh, the immediate divisive rhetoric that started from our prime minister and our leaders. And I just, I, I found Chris Barber's number after he put a call out on his TikTok account and phoned him up and said, look, these are my skills. I wanna help you guys any way that I can. You're going to need social media and you're going to need some funding. And uh, it all started from there. You know, the Freedom Convoy put Canada on the map as a force for good in the world. You know, not since World War II when the Canadian soldiers were at the vanguard of the landings on D-Day and where if you ask the Germans who were you most afraid of, they said Canadian soldiers. And the reason they said that was because every Canadian soldier that landed on D-Day had his orders, not that he needed them, from the officers, which was, remember Dieppe, take no prisoners, kill every one of those kraut bastards, <laughs> right? Yeah. The Germans tried to surrender to the Brits and the Americans because they knew the Canadians weren't taking them. Not <laughs> since then has Canada stood tall where women and men, Canadians, stood for freedom in a way that inspired the world because the Freedom Convoy didn't just inspire men and women like me. It inspired freedom lovers across the globe. And you know, for that, I salute you for your role in, in being the leader in that. But um, you guys got that process started. Why did you believe it was so important to take a stand? Well, essentially, because we, like I said, we this, that was so dark and depressing. And people that I knew and cared about were being directly affected. You know, their businesses, they were going under. They weren't, they were all sent home with no paychecks. Um our loved ones, like a friend of mine didn't get to go say goodbye to his mother. She died by herself. 
you know, these are horrific story, all the social anchors that we have in, in our lifetimes, you know, my daughter's graduation, you know, it was a 15 minute photo with her cap and gown and a mask on, you know, that was my daughter's graduation. Weddings were canceled. Few people couldn't go to funerals, like all these social anchors that are such a natural and important part of our society were taken away from us. I was told my parents weren't allowed in my own home. Excuse me? <laughs> I mean, I at 50 years old, I think I will make that call, not the government of Canada and, yeah. the, and public health Canada. So I'm a little bit of a rebel in that aspect, which obviously led to my involvement here. And, you know, the trucker mandate was really the catalyst, you know, that set everybody over the edge. And thank gosh for those those truckers, you know, when watching them drive across Canada really was like watching the cavalry go off to war almost, you know, yeah. it instilled so much hope. I mean, that's the word that we heard the most crossing across Canada, but it wasn't just the hope that we were instilling. It was the hope that the Canadian people were giving right back to us to see that support and that unity and that love and people coming together. I mean, it was the greatest show of humanity I've ever seen in my lifetime. And, you know, I, I may have emerged as, as one of the leaders and the organizers of this event, but every single person that was there was a volunteer. You know, people didn't come down there without bringing something or donating something or shoveling snow, pitching in and getting involved somehow. Every single person that was a volunteer and a massive part of that. And you know, we're just lucky that we had a really great team of people that had a lot of different skill sets and it just naturally came together, you know? It did. It was beautiful. Um, I, I I drove down from Toronto to Ottawa one weekend. Uh, someone introduced me to Pat King. I, I got to meet Pat and yes. spend some time with him. He was on, on a show we did back then as well. Nice. And, um, you know, a friend of mine, uh his name is greg medford he's an american knife maker i i do two podcasts i do this podcast and i do a podcast for men um and in the podcast that i do for men i've had greg on recently and he said something to me he said to me nikki freedom isn't given to you it isn't free for it to really be freedom you have to take it and we Canadians, until the trucker freedom convoy came into being, we were just taking crap from government, crap from the provincial government, crap from the federal government. And then you and your brave men and women stood up and said, no, we're holding the line on our freedoms. And you, you took a stand. And our horrifically racist prime minister who I may want to remind all my listeners has thrice been caught on tape and, and uh, film wearing blackface, making fun of Brown and black people. This is who leads us as a, as a nation um, had the goal to call the truckers racists. And this is, this is what blew me away is that the, the modern progressive fascists, when they, are losing the argument to you, they attack you and call you a racist. And that's their way of trying to shut down the argument. 
Well, the good Lord says when you point a finger out, you've got three pointing back at the real culprit. And that's that's true, though. He was the real racist in this whole process. And I did a little bit of research, and correct me if I'm wrong, but 43% of the trucking firms in Canada are, are owned by Sikhs. And last I checked, Sikhs are dark brown men and women, <laughs> you know, from India. So it was really interesting to hear our racist prime minister smear dark brown men and women as white supremacists. I just like that made me laugh. That was a it was just a joke to me. Totally. But totally to be expected. I mean, that's been Mr. Trudeau's uh, default right out of the gate, like right as soon as he was elected in 2015. I remember it might have been the Aga Khan incident, actually, uh, the Aga Khan scandal. And I, and he was calling people racist then for questioning, you know, why he was on this vacation. So, I mean, the writing was on the wall immediately. If 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 you're fighting for something that he doesn't believe in personally, then he just writes you off as a racist and tries to dismiss you. In this case, we weren't going to be dismissed. No. You know? No. And I even said that to Chris, you know, on the way out. Of course, as you know, on the way out, um, all of a sudden, he came out and started calling us terrible names. Then all of a sudden, even though he was triple jabbed, he was exposed to COVID and he had to go into quarantine. Then he was skirted off for his safety, uh, skiing in the Laurentians with some of his rich friends, we later found out. And I remember I said to Chris on the way, I said, you know, fundamentally speaking, base level, in my opinion, a leader has two jobs, unite your people, protect their rights and freedoms. And I said, right now we're doing his job. Yep. Yeah. And he ran away and hid like a coward. Yeah. I, I wish that he would come out and actually talk to people and hear the stories that, that we have heard from people across this country the amount of people that told us every day, every single day on social media or every stop that we made that they were planning to kill themselves was unimaginable. And even more horrifically was the family members who told us that they already had family members that had committed suicide or the people that were living in their cars with their families. You know, the stories that we heard every single day were so gut-wrenching. It was it was terrible. But even still underneath those stories was was the beautifulness that is the resilience of Canadians and how strong they are and how they came together. And that was what made this so beautiful. I've told this story in every interview because it's so important. You know, we were coming through Manitoba and I saw out my window native drummers dancing for us on the side of the road and beside them were Sikhs. Sikh gentlemen, and beside them were like Hutterite women with little children holding thank you truckers signs, and beside them were nuns in full habits. You know, to see all these people, and that was when, you know, the the biggest epiphany is that this has all been a lie. We are not divided, despite Justin Trudeau's attempts at, at creating that division from every angle. But it didn't matter during that time what color your skin was. Or what your income bracket was or where you lived in the country. Everyone was just so proud to be a Canadian again. They were, uh, and, and, and I was, and, and, and I still am. And it, it was the honor of my life to drive down to Ottawa to contribute financially to the cause of the Freedom Convoy and to lend my voice, such as it was, to... Um, those that were standing up for our freedom and 
you know, there's an English philosopher, Irish philosopher, actually, by the name of Edmund Burke, who said once, the only condition necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to stand by and do nothing. And what made me so proud of you and all of the brave men and women of the trucker convoy was that they were not going to stand by and do nothing. They were going to stand up and fight. And you've paid a price. You've paid a huge and terrible price. Our, our evil fascist um, government, prime minister, and even the premier of Ontario, uh, who at one point was a friend of mine, just were absolutely appalling in how they reacted to you standing up to them. And I got to tell you, it was beautiful to watch. It was beautiful to watch them crumble and take all those awful policies and put them away because of what you truckers did. You truckers are true heroes. You're the civil rights heroes of the modern era, in my opinion. They are, they, they are definitely heroes. There's no question about it. And, and they're all such beautiful people, you know, to hear, these people calling them such terrible names was, you know, they were, they were generous and kind and, and caring and, you know, but they had resolve, you know, and they, they sat out there in their trucks for three weeks and, you know, a lot of times minus 30 temperatures and you, you never saw them getting angry with people. I mean, you know, they, it was, it was magical. It was just such a magical experience. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of these guys gave up, you know, they left their families at home, traveled across the country, weren't getting any income because they weren't working, you know, so they all sacrificed so much. And, and thank goodness that they did, you know, and and, and that they did stand up. I, I was shocked when the, the government started going after, you know, the frontline healthcare workers in such a way. And none of them stood up. Like I thought for sure a doctor or somebody was going to stand up and say, no, this isn't right. But we saw what happened. They got canceled and the military and the RCMP and then federal government employees. I mean, it took it took the blue collar workers of Canada to stand up and say, no, enough is enough. We cannot continue this way. Well, the reason I think is because, unfortunately, the world in the last 60 years has been beating manhood out of men, but they haven't done it in the blue collar world. They have not been able to do it. Those are still men. <laughs> you don't mess with those folks. And the reason they did this is they're trying to weaken men and manhood because those are the people that stand up for freedom. And if you do that, if military age men have become, you know, pussified to the extent that they're not willing to stand up for their rights, then our society is in big trouble. And yes. the truckers showed that that's still not the case in Canada. Uh, among a good portion of our population. And and for that, I was very, very grateful. And I think all of us should be grateful. Mm. You know? Mm. Yeah. 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 It was just incredible. Incredible. So talk to us about the book. What made you write the book and tell the story? Well, a good reason, a very big motivating factor for me was all the lies that were told about us, you know, right out of the gate, um, which, you know, I haven't had a lot of faith in the Canadian media, legacy media, mainstream media in quite some time, but 
to actually experience it firsthand was very eye-opening. And so there was a lot of lies that they told. And it's coming out now, you know, every week it seems like there's more information coming out showing that we were right. We were right. You were. And and one of my takeaways from the uh, Public Order Emergency Commission was that Freedom Convoy, with possibly the exception of the Ottawa or Ontario Provincial Police, the OPP, not to be confused with the Ottawa Police Service, were the most organized and sophisticated organization out of them all. You know, we realized after that that the Ottawa Ottawa Police Service was in a complete shambles before we even got there. The ineptitude was staggering of how you know how the city was reacting, how the government, the federal and provincial governments were reacting. So it, it, there's a lot of truth that needed to come out, and also because you know, in light of let's face it, Canada is known as one of the most peaceful and polite countries on the planet and so for our government to step in freeze the bank accounts of everyday canadians for donating to a cause that they believed in with no parliamentary oversight no court order from a judge in fact if you watched krista Phelan's um presser about it she is giggling like an excited little schoolgirl. At the prospect of freezing these accounts and coming after Canadians' assets. And based on what? What they were trying to label us as terrorists. It's in her notes. Label them as terrorists and seize their assets. Well, she's a, and she this was been, done, like I said, without a, any She's oversight. a lying communist is what she is. She's, a, she, she's read Saul Alinsky's playbook, which is all about demonize and lie about your, your, your opponents. And that's why she did what she did. But, you know, the um, the truth of the matter is that I don't think the liberal government's going to be reelected unless they find a way to steal the election. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess the thing is with this Chinese, I've done a lot of American media lately and and they all keep asking me the same thing. Well, why do you guys keep electing him? And, you know, I don't know a single person that voted for that man in any of these elections. And um, now with all the, the stuff that's coming about, out about the Chinese interference allegations, I mean, is he being elected or is he being selected? They're really dragging their feet on this inquiry. Yeah, they are. They are. Um, it, I, it's my opinion that the last two uh, conservative leaders just did a terrible job in, yes. in the election campaigns. Um you know, Andrew Shear, uh, he's a nice man, but he's yep. not he's not a leader. He's not a fighter. And I'll tell you, when those blackface pictures of Trudeau came out, I go, OK, I know the media is going to try to bury this, but the conservatives are going to run with this. They're going to shove this down his throat. Nope. Yep. I'm like, what are you doing? Shove this down his throat. Shove it down his throat in the in the debate. Talk about nothing but this. You've got visible minorities that support the liberals that are going to be so turned off, but you've got to shove it down his throat. Nope. And then um, Aaron O'Toole, he was trying to out Trudeau Trudeau. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Dude, what are you doing? Yeah. I'm from the Middle East. I'm from Iran. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm not dark brown, but I'm kind of, you know, all a brown skin type of man. I'm telling you. If I were on the debate stage with Mr. Trudeau in either election, 
doesn't matter what question was asked. Here would be my answer to the question. Well, I want to talk about Mr. Trudeau, the blackface-wearing racist who is embarrassing our nation by, by being in the position of prime minister. And I'd just put these up and I'd go, do you see this is, this is the man that right now represents Canada on the international stage? I want to go, every person of color in Canada must understand that there's racism in this man's heart. And do you want him, whatever the question was, that would be my answer. I don't care what the topic was. That's all I'd say. And if they tried to cut me off, I would shut him up. I'd say, hey, it's my time. I'll answer the question as I see fit and stop being a racist and trying to tell the brown man how he can speak. Believe me, that shuts exactly. white liberals up faster than anything. In my, they tried calling me a racist. It doesn't go well for them when they do that. It really doesn't <laughs> yeah. go well for them when they do that. They always get hammered by me because how do you fight a bully, Tamara? You know how to fight a bully. That's what you guys did. You punch the bully in the nose, right? Yeah. Because then the bully goes crying home to mommy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Well, I mean, I think we scared the pants off of them. And and um, a large part definitely due to the donations that we raised, you know, $10 million twice, essentially. And uh, but I think even more so than that was the unity. They don't want us united. Right. They want us fighting with each other and distracted from the stuff that they're doing. And uh, Canadians showed up and, and showed him that they were not going to have any, any of it. In the upcoming election, I'm supporting the Conservatives, and they're the only opportunity we have to kick this guy out. So, you know, we got to run with that. I think uh, Pierre Polyev uh, is uh, somebody who can beat this guy, unlike the last two. I think he's got a real shot mm -hmm. at beating him. Yep, I agree. Yep. Fingers crossed. I, I hope to God that he shoves this man's racism down his throat because I think it's a massive mistake not to do that. A massive political mistake. There is a um, an American writer by the name of Robert Greene. I don't know if you've heard of him. He wrote the book, The 48 Laws of Power and the Laws of Human Rate, Nature and the 33 Strategies of War. Well, in the 33 Strategies of War, he's a leading thought leader on human nature, on you know success and winning and strategy and all that. He talks about how to defeat an opponent. And one of the things he says is you need to hit your opponent where they think they're strong. Trudeau thinks he's strong on issues of race and, you know, mm. all that. He's not. Hit him there. Hit him there hard. No. Hit him there unrelentingly. Like if I were Pierre, I'd absolutely do what he's doing. Go after him on all the scandals and the economics and the inflation, but hit him on this. Go into minority communities and put up the blackface pictures in front of those communities. Right. Not through the legacy media because they're not going to publicize it for you, but just go on that. And when you get on stage with them, spend a good chunk of that debate showing the pictures talking about the embarrassment that all Canadians feel, but especially people of color. Trust me. Yes. There's one thing I can tell you about myself as a Middle Eastern man. Very proud to be a Canadian, but I'm also proud of my heritage. And yes. I ain't really keen on, sorry to sound a little, you know, racist here because I'm not at all. Um, mm -hmm. When white people say things about us and mock us, 
yeah, we don't, we didn't, not keen on that. Not keen yeah. on that at all. You know, it's, it, it really bothers us. And all somebody We're thinking that they know what's best for you. Right. right? That's like speaking what, on your behalf. Like, right. you know, I mean, that and was to mocking me us behind our about. back with blackface. Shut that course. in their throats. I bet you he'll look at the Dylan McVaney or whatever her name is. Voters. And then he's yeah. toast. The liberals will never win an election if they lose 30% of their minority voters. Never, ever. It's done. It's finished. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. They'll never do Here's it. hoping. Yeah. No, absolutely. So you wrote the book and you told the story. And um, why should people read the book right now? Why is it an important thing for Canadians to read this book? And frankly, freedom well, lovers all over the world. Uh, absolutely. And, and yes, to, yeah, to sum up what I was saying earlier, I mean, if this type of thing can happen in Canada, which is, you know, the takedown of the convoy, like the, it was violent. Law enforcement were beating veterans and grandmas and former law enforcement people Saw and supporters that. and truckers. Uh, that's the stuff I grew up watching on TV that happened in other countries, not in Canada. And that's why I feel like the story is so important and that it needs to be told. Because if this can happen in Canada, like I said, the most peaceful and polite and passive country on the planet, it can happen anywhere, anywhere. And the, the freezing of the bank accounts should be alarming everyone in the entire world. It, it does. Thankfully, the Liberal Senate was not a lapdog to Justin Trudeau because when he put it in front of them, um, my sources tell me that some of the members of the Senate came back to him and said, you're going to lose this vote. And he was, he was shocked. And yeah. he said, what yeah. I appointed these people, I guess must've been going through this. How am I going to lose this vote? Yeah. No kidding. Well, the reason you were going to lose this vote is because the people that you put in there, even though they were liberals, they were actual liberals, not fascists like you. And right. the thought of using a war measures act to go against Canadians offended the civil libertarians on the Senate. And they came to him and they go, you are going to lose this vote. And if he'd have lost his, that vote, if he'd have let it go through and lost the vote, his government would have fallen because that's a no confidence yeah. vote, right? And then he that's would right. have been forced yeah. to call an election immediately. And I think that's why he pulled the Emergencies Act, which took those powers away from himself because he knew he was about to, to lose. And the truckers did that. The truckers did that. The truckers yeah, made that you. happen. God bless you truckers for taking a stand for Canada, for taking a stand for freedom and for proving once again that when good men and women stand up, there's nothing that they can't do. Margaret Mead said, a small group of committed people can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. And you and your fellow truckers, you were that small group of committed people that changed the world. You changed the world with the Freedom Convoy, Tamara. God and bless Canada you. Canada is so worth it. You know, I, 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 I say this, you know, after years of being told that we should be ashamed and we should apologize for things that we had nothing to do with and, um, you know, just feel terrible about ourselves and our history, you know, that is so untrue. Can Canadians should be so proud of who they are because we saw the best of it come out at the convoy. You know, they have every reason to be proud and they have nothing to be ashamed of. And Canada is worth it. And and they can put me back in jail. I don't care. They can never 
take this away from us. Never, you know? So I say, bring it on. They're picking on the wrong grandma. <laughs> there you go. They're picking on the wrong grandmother for sure. They're picking on the wrong indigenous grandma too. I mean, that's uh, God bless Trudeau <laughs> to pretend he can speak for people that he has nothing in common with and doesn't really understand their background. You know, yes. it's, um, I got to tell you, it's an, it's an honor to be here with you, having this conversation with you. Uh, and thank you for having the guts to lead this movement and for continuing to stand for freedom for, for Canada and for being a beacon of inspiration for the entire world. Thank you. And Absolutely. thanks so much for inviting me on today. Yeah, you bet. So listen, before we wrap up, yes. um, there's two things I want to ask for you to do. So one is how do people get a hold of the book? Uh, www.theconvoybook.com. And also it's available through Amazon. So you can get it at either of those uh, websites. So do, you, do you offer an option for people to like buy a signed copy or anything like that? Is that a possibility? Actually, there is some on the on the convoybook.com. There is an option there. Rebel has been kind enough to help me publish this book and get it out. So they've set up a web that particular website. And there is links and stuff to for all of that there. Yes, for sure. Okay, great. I'll I'll make sure that I pick up a signed copy because I, I really would like that very much. Yes. Um, Let me know if you have any issues. I'll just send you one right from my house. You're the best. God bless your heart. Well, <laughs> I'll talk to you offline. That'd be that'd be great. Okay, great. So we'll make Sounds sure we good. put all that in the show notes. And, and and we push that and um uh i can introduce you to other podcasters if you'd like um fantastic yeah yeah i um i know uh i know a couple who i think um would uh would be interested in uh in having you on so let's talk about that offline as well so the Sounds second great. thing is we ask every expert that comes on the show to offer us their three best pieces of advice we call them expert action steps. These are things you recommend that my listeners takes on to make her life better, to make her business better, to feel like she or he are a part of something and that they can still win. So what say you? What are your three best pieces of advice to someone listening to this show? I would say grow thick skin, stay focused, and believe in yourself. Know your true power. Those are excellent. I'm writing them down. Great. <laughs> you know, <that's>, uh, <laughs> these are good. These are good. Thank you. Tamara Lich, uh, really, a, truly a, a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much for spending some time with us and sharing your your wisdom and your um, your love with uh, with all of us. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor. Listener, Tamara Lich is the real deal. She's a true Canadian hero. It's because of people like her that the lockdowns were lifted. Make no mistake about it, the governments were not going to lift those lockdowns. So if you're enjoying a day out today in Canada with your family and you're on a patio somewhere having a beer or an iced tea or a glass of cold water, hoist one up for Tamara Lich, Chris Barber, Pat King, and the rest of the trucker Freedom Convoy. It's because of them that you're able to do this. And 
we must never, ever forget to honor the men and women that dug the well that we get to drink from today. And if you want to find out more about Tamara's book, all the details are going to be in the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or wherever you happen to listen to this episode, be it iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, Google Play, or what have you. Tamara, once again, thank you so much for being on the show. God bless your heart. Thanks. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.